0: Across the UK, online and on DAB
1: A mid-morning dance with the devil
0: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham
1: Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster The
0: Independent Republic of Mike Graham
1: Live from Westminster on Talk Radio
2: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are live once more from Westminster's College Green, where Parliament will this week attempt to extricate all of us from the mess that they have got us all into. Uh, Coming up, uh, because we are here in the tent of shame, you know this is an important week for democracy and an even more important week for Theresa May. The Prime Minister could well be out of a job by Friday, but we certainly won't be out of Europe as we appear to have signed away our rights to leave with no deal whatsoever on March the 29th. I don't know when that happened, but I think it might have happened while Theresa May was in Brussels. Coming up, of course, we'll be attempting to steer the ship of state through the choppy waters of the English Channel, diverting it away from the rocks and delivering it safely to the White Cliffs of Dover. And if you think that's too many references to the historic past of Great Britain, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to make any apologies for it. Unfortunately, however, the ship of state currently resembles the Viking Sky Cruise Liner, listing hopelessly to port battered by a storm, having to airlift passengers off to safety, and praying that it doesn't actually sink, for heaven's sake. Could these idiots in Parliament have made more of a mess of this had they tried even harder? And what about all those sore losers who took to the streets of London this weekend, whining about a... uh problem with the result of the last referendum uh, and saying that they want to have another one. They'll get no sympathy from me as we heard from Julia hartley Brewer. Waitrose literally emptied its uh, aisles and all these people got on buses and started singing Bye Bye Brexit. Uh, And it was a very very old crowd by the way. It was not about the hot youth of today. It was all about the old people who apparently voted Brexit. Well not in the real world 0344 499 1000 we'll be speaking to a host of pundits, a host of MPs, a host of journalists, people who are in the know about what is going on. And guess what none of them know what's going on so what you want to do is call me and tell me what you think should be happening Theresa may will she leave will she remain 0344 499 1000 you listen to me mike graham right here live from college green in westminster on the hottest day of the year so far
0: the
1: fallout the fury the future
0: the independent republic of mike graham live
1: from westminster Air, Order on talk radio, radio.
2: Uh, we are, of course, here, well, this is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, uh, brought to you in association with The Times. It is politics and it is tamed. Uh, one man who's not tamed is Crispin Blunt, sitting with me, Atorio Tory MP <laughs> from Reigate. Crispin, oh. very good afternoon to you. Welcome okay, to the you, Tent of Shame, where we've been able to enjoy at least some warm weather this morning, rather than <laughs> what it's normally like. But I'm, I'm watching um, uh, things happening all over the place in Brussels, in Westminster, Back in Downing Street, you know, there's some weird meeting going on down at Chequers yesterday. Nobody can quite get their head around. The European Union, apparently, and the European Commission, appears to be preparing for a no-deal Brexit. Everybody seems to want a no-deal Brexit that I talk to. Lots of people who are listening to this show currently would like a no-deal Brexit. Why is it so impossible to get to that point here?
3: Because a huge fallacy has been built around the implications of no-deal by people talking about crashing out, Mm. that it's catastrophic, it's an unacceptable option. All of that is total rubbish, yeah. um, and I've known it's been rubbish since uh, I and the rest of the Foreign Affairs Committee examined the implications of No Deal before we gave notice to the yeah. EU, and we unanimously completed a report saying that it was going would be a dereliction of duty if the government didn't prepare for No Deal. It was going to be the bottom line for the UK in the negotiations. If there was, if the terms were going to be unacceptable, uh, we were going to need to walk away. And that would mean uh, no formal agreement, yeah. uh, no international treaty binding us into the future, uh, overcoming the... Uh, the uh, 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 which would oversee the future, uh, discussion about the future between yeah. the EU and the UK, which is a terrible position to put people in if the deal is really bad. And so we've come back with a deal that is really bad, and we need to be free of that. And uh, we ought, and I think we probably have prepared... Uh, allegedly 12,000 civil servants engage in the preparation for for no deal. But the government isn't properly surfacing that because they know as soon as it's clear we're ready for it, it explodes the arguments for her proposition.
2: Well, exactly right. And I'm assuming as well that one of the reasons they haven't spent time explaining what's being outside of the EU would look like because they haven't done that, and people are very confused about why they haven't done that. They haven't done it because it actually won't be terrible. You know, they don't well, seem no, to could, want to and that's explain the, exactly how and, it. Will and that be. is
3: the deep frustration here: is that a liberal media agenda uh, has been present allowed to run? government no, of course, exactly. But no, uh, which is why well, it's really nice to come and, and talk <laughs> to you, as you as you say, a uh, rare point of good, plain common sense. Um, on this on this issue You're actually dealing in the facts mm. and and the critical thing is the evidence and every time you, you dig down into where people say it's going to be a catastrophe, we won't be any medicines. Well, that's been shown to be nonsense. The aeroplanes won't fly. That's been shown to be nonsense. The tr- tr- trucks won't be able to go through uh, Dover Calais. That's been shown to be nonsense. Mm. And of course, the Port of Calais quite properly has worked out that if it doesn't make the thing work, uh, then, uh, their then the econo- economics of the Port of Calais are in deep trouble because mm. they'll be competed against And they also the other said the other that ports. it's going to be fine. I mean they've they've it, literally will be, said it will be those fine. Words. And they, where there need to be extra checks on uh, agricultural goods, they are creating uh, that capacity elsewhere, out of the port, so those checks uh, are not going to interfere with the passage of trade uh, through the port. So why aren't we just looking at the evidence here? Right. And and in all the areas where there looks as though there are going to be problems coming out of no deal, Suddenly, you find people who made arrangements to make those problems don't happen. And the, and the biggest deal of all is the financing of European business in uh, derivative uh, 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 instruments which are all largely written in the City of London. So guess what? Um, There has been a special exemption agreed by the European Central Bank uh, and the Bank of England to allow the City of London to keep writing derivative uh, instruments for European businesses to be able to go on financing their businesses if they want that kind of financing. Well, everywhere you look. bingo. Everywhere Uh, you look. And so everywhere there's a problem, it's soluble.
2: Exactly. I mean, also everywhere you look and you see uh, an official announcement being made, I think there was one made last week by the Swiss government, who said basically, you know, nobody's going to be affected in in that deal was in, done in
3: December, 18th
2: of December. In a, a no-deal no yep. Brexit situation, you won't need a visa any more yep. than you do now. Yep. So, with every single turn of the wheel, if you like, you know, we get told something which is completely fine, and yet there is still this kind of. I had George Freeman here a moment ago uh, saying, "Well, the thing is, it's very difficult to leave." Well, it isn't, is it?
3: No, it's not difficult to leave at all. And and the <laughs> fact is, there has been, you know, legally it's been done. All the laws have been passed to enable us to to do this, mm. and. Uh, now it looks as though, as we're seeing on the uh, European Union side, that they're beginning to get more <coughs> serious about the uh, likelihood of it happening is that the preparations are in place. Um, we've been passing statutory instrument after statutory instrument <coughs> in there to be ready for it. The European Union Parliament has been doing the same thing, uh, so the, the laws are, are pretty much ready. And actually, if you then once we've left, and you've got both sides then conducting a negotiation about the future uh, and also about making sure that any uh, unexpected uh, complications that arise out of leaving, uh, both sides are trying to protect their interests, you'll get agreements.
2: So does it look as though now where we are is a place where the current Prime Minister cannot take us over the line, cannot actually well, she get can us do. out of the European Union?
3: She can do, if she wants to. Uh, yeah, but she but has, can she, though? Well, uh, um, you're asking me to peer inside that particular sphinx <laughs> and to work out what's in it. Um, and that's, a, that's eluded everybody. Uh, from my p- point of view... It's clear there is only one way actually she gets her deal over the line, and that's to call Labour's bluff. And uh, Labour's policy actually looks pretty like her deal. Uh, so there's a lot of hot air being uh, accessed by, by Labour colleagues saying about how unacceptable her deal is. Well, I'm um, well, proposing about the same what thing. About what, about the, what about their policy? It's, yeah. an, it's only an iota different. Right. And uh, if she puts Parliament in a place where they've got to make a binary choice, between her deal and no deal because that's the only way Brexit gets done. And that's what she said she's going to do. She's going to deliver Brexit. I mean, that's what she's been on about since she became Prime Minister um, and indeed as a candidate to be leader of the Conservative Party. She was, you know, Brexit means Brexit. So the last almost three years of her leadership has been about delivering this. The only way it gets done, clearly, is a binary decision for Parliament. My deal or no deal. And she needs to call Labour's bluff. not going to At no point asking me to vote for something that's infinitely worse than her deal, mm. um, I'm still honest to what I was elected to do, which is to deliver Brexit. And I've got a choice between so her are you deal willing, and no. So
2: would you be willing to compromise on whatever you might want as Brexit in order to vote for her deal?
3: Well, I want Brexit. Yeah. And Brexit is either um, no agreement with all, all that that implies uh, or her agreement with all that that implies. Right. And I look at those two choices and go, I'm going with no deal. Now, okay. uh, all the Remainers on the Labour side... Um, who all elected to deliver Brexit, Yes. Uh, who are all dishonouring that contract, all all dishonouring that contract they made with the electorate to get elected in 2017, Um, uh, all saying that no deal is unacceptable. And Jeremy Corbyn went over to Europe last week and said, we will stop no deal. Um, uh, We'll do whatever it takes. Well, one of the things it takes is to vote for her deal. So get on with it.
2: Yes, well, it's fascinating, isn't it, watching all that? The trouble is, and I've been saying this and trying to kind of explain the frustration of the British population and the electorate, Because what they've been seeing happening in the last several months is an awful lot of manoeuvring, procedural uh, gesturing, um, you know, one amendment after another, all of which have apparently meant absolutely nothing. Because every time we get told here's another kind of deadline or here's another red line that can't be crossed, it always gets crossed. The deadline always disappears. You know, the reason that you can't have this vote tends to disappear and you have the vote anyway.
3: um, She is struggling with the fact that we've got to remain a parliament. Yeah. Uh, that by and there are probably thirty MPs on my side who, by hook or by crook, I uh, want us to remain, and they want us to wriggle away from the referendum decision. Now that's that number is inflated massively on the Labour side, there are, um, uh, and there are actually not very many who are steadfast in actually delivering the, the People's Choice of 2016 uh, on the Labour side. Um, so, if she's to get her policy across the line of Brexit, um, uh, then she's going to have to be. Um, she's now got so close to the line that all the power of her office as Prime Minister can now get her there. She can face down this Parliament and get it over the line. And she—and that's what she ought to do. And
2: can she do that this week? Because she this week is it. a key week. She
3: can it? do it. The issue is, will she?
2: Yes, well, that's the thing. And if she doesn't, Then where are we left? Because we will have then spent. You know, one of the things I said earlier was that maybe we should have started these whole uh, negotiations a little bit sooner than the kind of eleventh hour, as it were, in Parliament. I don't know whether that would have made any difference. Maybe we would have just been arguing for longer.
3: Well, Um, had I mean, but
2: something has to happen, surely.
3: You see, I mean, what's so frustrating is that we started the notice period when there's there meant to be a negotiation, should we started in those periods? and then we pitched ourselves into the election, which d- took away mm. her, her majority, which she correctly identified as a majority of 13 before the election was not big enough in order to face down um, uh, either the, uh, both wings of the party, I guess. So if she'd had a majority of 150, mm. which it looked like when we were a 20-point lead going into that election, that she would get a, uh, a, a large majority and give her the authority to conduct the negotiations. Is that... The effect of the 2017 election was to kind of destroy her self-confidence um, in both facing down Parliament and facing down the European Union. Yeah. And so when the European Union turned around and said, uh, no, we're going to sequence this thing. Before we talk about the future, we're going to talk about the withdrawal terms. Um, and our response was, well, OK, but just understand that nothing's agreed until everything's agreed. Mm. And we've arrived at the end of this process with a treaty on the withdrawal agreement, and an aspirational political declaration about the future, which means nothing in legal legal terms. So nothing, everything hasn't been agreed. But also every slogan... So why why have we resiled from that position that um, that nothing is agreed Mm -hmm. until everything is agreed? And we should have been crystal
2: clear. For the same reason that we've resiled from everything else that she's ever said, you know, i.e., you know, no deal is better than a bad deal. Uh, You know, if you vote for this... Um, Or if you don't vote for this, um, you know, I might leave the party or I might leave the prime ministership or you won't might not get Brexit. I mean, every single kind of ultimatum that Theresa May has offered has never come to pass. It's never worked. It's nothing that she's she's done has ever worked.
3: Well, you're quite right. The ultimatums haven't been Mm. uh, uh, carried through. Um, And is that just a desperate effort to stay in office as long as possible? Maybe.
2: Maybe. What's your best guess as to whether we have a new prime minister? sometime before the summer recess if not before that um what's your best guess as to what happens this week and i realize as you've already said you don't have a crystal ball but nobody does yeah um but surely something has got to give as they say in america
3: well i would desperately hope even at at this 11th hour that she finds um the uh will and the steel to deliver what she said she became Prime Minister to do, which is to deliver Brexit. Mm. And she's now so close to the finishing line that she can face down the Parliament that is a Parliament of Remainers um, with three quarters of the MPs elected in there were supporting Remain. And many of those Remainers are utterly determined to overturn the 2016 result. Uh, and they need to be faced down. Mm. And if they want to bring her down and vote no confidence in her government, she needs to throw the gauntlet down. Uh, but even so, it's now too late. Mm. Uh, for them to stop um, uh, her presenting them with a binary choice between her deal and no deal. She will still be Prime Minister on the 12th of April. Um, if she so desires, okay. there's nothing anybody can do. Well, that's about the that. most positive. So, she, so uh, she can get it over the line. That's the she most to do
2: positive message we've heard all morning. So uh, thank you very much indeed, Christian Blunt, yeah. a Tory MP for Rygate. We'll keep you updated, of course, as things happen down here, uh, because it's a very big week for not only Theresa May and for the whole country, but also for the Tory party as well.
1: The fallout, the fury, the future.
0: The independent republic of Mike Graham,
1: live from Westminster, hey, order on Talk Radio. Radio.
2: Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham here on College Green in Westminster. The sun is shining, it's a much warmer uh, and pleasant climb uh, than we were in the last time we were down here when I had to have the big coat of doom with me because uh, it was so freezing cold at some points that your fingers actually felt as if they were going to fall off. Uh, I'm here with George Freeman, uh, who's Tory MP of course for Mid-Norfolk. George, I'm going to come back to you in a moment on some of the things you just said before the news there. Let me just read you a few tweets here. Abbey Cat says, from tweets it appears that a Foreign Office letter removed our exit date of the 29th of March. should have been voted on by the House of Commons surely, how was this possible? Uh, that's the first one, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Jane says, the PM must go, uh, but not sure anyone from the cabinet would be my choice for the job. When she goes, they should all go too. And there's a lot like that. Uh, one here from um, uh, the Patriot her, uh, who says, to keep her job and her legacy Mrs May should sack the whole cabinet and replace them with the Brexiteer big guns. She can then resign a hero when a clean Brexit is delivered. Uh, that's from Ian in Edinburgh. A clean Brexit uh, is, a, is a new form of Brexit. I have I haven't heard before, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to, to support pretty much any Brexit at this point, George, because we are we feel, I think, that the, if I'm right in, in categorising the way that the public feel at the moment, certainly those who voted to leave the European Union, they feel as if uh, they are being frustrated at every yep. turn. They feel as though somebody keeps coming up with a reason why something can't be done. They feel very much as though um, the nation is being filibustered, if you like, by Parliament and that Parliament is deliberately putting off the inevitable.
4: Yeah. That's how it feels. I I share that frustration. I was in my constituency last week. I've never known anger like it. I've never known a political change like this Brexit that so polarises opinion. Everybody feels betrayed. The Brexiteers feel betrayed. The leavers feel betrayed. The young feel betrayed. Businesses are scratching their head and can't believe what on earth has happened to normal government in this country. We have got to end this quickly and find a Brexit deal. Let me be clear. There are only two. Brexit deals that could get through the House. But One is honestly, hers.
2: Well, Do let you, me just you honestly believe, let me just, yeah. before you go any further, because you said just before the news there that you didn't want to alienate 48% of the population by getting the wrong kind of Brexit deal. Now, I assume by that you meant those who voted to remain. And when you look at what happened here uh, at the march over the weekend on Saturday, I mean, these are not people who are going to be in any way happy if we leave the European Union. They no, don't they want, want to leave. They
4: want to reverse the decision. They want I to reverse the decision. absolutely they, reject that.
2: That's what I'm saying. But you will never please those people because they always want to stay in the European European Union. They don't want to leave under any circumstances. I
4: agree, and that is not what I'm talking about. Uh, Let me give you an example. So I represent 76,000 people. Mm -hmm. There are very noisy Brexiteers, and there are very noisy Remainers. My job is to speak for the silent majority, and the vast majority of people in my constituency, which voted to leave, 61%, they want to leave, they want to end the Civil War, they want to end the hatred, this awful, uh, demonstrating constantly the aggressive language. There is a Brexit for them. It's either the PM's deal, Or what's called Common Market 2.0, which would keep us in the single market, deals with Northern Ireland, out of the uh, customs union, free to do trade deals. Those are the only two ways or we crash out with no deal. I think we owe it to them. To find a Brexit that can get through the House,
2: but have we not ruled out crashing out with No Deal? Because again, no. the frustration of, of what we've been seeing over the last few weeks is that with every single day that passes and another uh, amendment is voted upon, we get told, "Well, that's the end of uh, No Deal." We've watched as people in the Houses of Parliament voted against No Deal. I voted think one of the down.
4: one of the difficulties is that when Parliament has a vote, Parliament is not the government, so Parliament can express its opinion, but in the end, the government decides. The Prime Minister decided last week. That if she can't get her deal through we will we will leave with no deal in two weeks but she needs two more weeks to find a plan B if she gets her deal through we've got two months to pass the law that's the situation this morning
2: okay well luckily we're joined by a man who's uh, on the Brexit committee who <laughs> might be able to help us out Hilary Ben uh, is here Hilary hi good morning to you good morning thank you very much for joining us George says we can still leave with no deal can we
5: uh, well no Parliament's been <laughs> quite you see what I mean? no no but Parliament has voted twice now and has said to the government, under no circumstances will we support leaving with no deal. The Chancellor of the Exchequer yeah. yesterday. Well that
2: was my understanding.
5: Yeah. Uh, the Chancellor of the Exchequer said yesterday it would be catastrophic for the country. Now, in the end the Prime Minister has, I think, to listen to what Parliament has said about no deal because it would be the worst possible outcome. And I expect her to do so. I can't believe that any Prime Minister, given the responsibility they hold, would willingly, knowingly take us over the edge of an economic cliff. Hang on, that's that would not do the question I asked. You.
2: Can well, we still leave with no deal legally? Because yes. my understanding was that we couldn't. So Mike, I'm, I'm agreeing can.
4: with Hillary. I think it's politically impossible to imagine a prime minister ignoring the will of the people like that. But legally, it is still the position. In two weeks, if we haven't got a plan B and her deal doesn't go through, that is legally the situation. Uh, it,
5: uh, unless the EU gives us a further extension of time, because. Mm. Uh, the 29th of March as exit day um, was uh, put on one side the moment the European Council agreed the extension, the extension yes. either to the 12th of April or the 22nd of May, depending on right. what happens this week.
2: Okay. So where we are now, and I was explaining this to George earlier, is that the, 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 the listeners that I talk to, the people that uh, interact with me on social media, they're very, very puzzled as to why we have spent so much parliamentary time. So many debates have been, te- have been had, so many amendments have been voted upon. And they appear to have got us pretty much nowhere until really Theresa May went to Brussels last week and got this extension. It's the first time really that anything positive has happened which would appear to move us closer to leaving. Nothing that's happened behind us in the Palace of Westminster appears to have done anything uh, than than filibuster it and stop it from
5: happening. Well, I don't agree with that because we as parliamentarians, we've got a responsibility to look at the deal that the Prime Minister brought back. The government's been negotiating for what, two years with the European Union. Now, I don't think I have a responsibility to just vote for anything that is stuck in front of me. Okay? And the reason I voted against the deal, and we'll do so again if it comes back this week, is, is nothing to do with the withdrawal agreement, the Northern Ireland issue, because we must protect an open border in all circumstances, we've got to uphold the rights of Brits abroad, European citizens living here, we owe money, we need a transitional period. It's not about that. It's the fact that the deal offers absolutely no certainty or clarity about what our future economic relationship, political relationship, security relationship will be with our most important friends and neighbours. And when businesses come to me and my constituency and say, Hillary, I know how it works today. I know how it's worked for the last 45 years. How's it going to work in five years time? I have to look them in the eye and say, I haven't got a clue. And why have we not got a clue? Because the government has refused to make real choices in the whole of this debate. They've fudged it, they've produced a deal that's full of uncertainty, because there are oh, there are bitter divisions right across the country, in, also in the Conservative Party, in the Cabinet. It's why it took, what, a year and a bit, even to get the Cabinet to agree what to ask for. Well, that is no way yeah. to run a negotiation, Mike, can I say I, I
4: agree with quite a lot of that, because yeah. <laughs> my problem with the deal, I mean, no deal is perfect, is that it puts us in a very unstable position on the sort of naughty step of Europe, seemingly out. But if we ever exercised any freedoms, our own United Kingdom starts to unravel. I think it's a bit of a trap. And and I think Hillary's right that the withdrawal has got to be part of where we go next. And I, the only solution I can see, I've been interested in Hillary's view on this. But shouldn't we have
2: been talking about this two years ago?
4: Yes, and one of the things the PM's done wrong is keep Brexit away from Parliament yeah. until the last minute. Right. We should have been debating this all the way through. I would have had it would have made more sense to everyone, yes, I think. I would have had a Brexit War Cabinet, I'd have had Hillary on it, chairman of the Select Committees really immersed Parliament in it. But there is one option, I think, I'm interested to know whether Hillary thinks this would resolve the issue he and I both uh, share, which is if we joined EFTA, the European Free Trade Area, common market 2.0. For now, it would give our businesses the same certainty. And we'd go into the next election, I guess, Hillary, with the Labour Party saying, we want to go into a full customs union and possibly back in. And the Conservative Party saying, well, we quite like EFTA or, I don't know, maybe we want to have our own free trade deal. But it would give our businesses the certainty through the next three or four years, wouldn't it?
2: And does that mean that you would be able to say to those businesses, this is what it's going to be like in five years' time?
5: Well, it would help. And uh, look, if we succeed with our amendment today to get indicative votes on Wednesday, which is Parliament stepping up and taking responsibility where the government is incapable of doing so, I will vote for a customs union for Norway, but I will also vote for a confirmatory referendum because I think three years on, we now know more about the real choices that Brexit involves rather than the fantasies that were peddled during the referendum. Easiest trade deal in history. Oh, give me a break. We'll hold all the cards, all of that. And then if people want to leave on the basis of the only deal that has been negotiated, whether it's the Prime Minister's deal or one that involves Norway in a customs union, then people are perfectly free to vote to leave again. And if they reject that, then we would remain. Now, I think that is... But
2: don't you think that's undemocratic? Well, let me put, put this to, to you. To ask to put the remain... Uh, question back on another referendum ballot because I've heard this from many people who wanted to leave. They've said why is it that if you want to leave the European Union you have to win a referendum twice and if you want to stay in it you only have to win it once. And that's the reality. That's what you're saying.
5: My answer would be as follows. The Prime Minister's brought her deal to Parliament once, been defeated. She's brought it a second time, been defeated. She may bring it back a third time. She says that's democratic because she's trying to persuade MPs to change their mind. Now, why is it undemocratic to say to the people, here's what we have negotiated, you're free to vote for that and to leave, or you're free to change your mind if that's what you because want to do. Because if the people
2: so. acted out in the real world, the way you guys act in parliament, we'd all be in an asylum, because you know you never get anywhere. You've been literally going round and round and round and round like sparrows in a cage, getting nowhere. Well, the, I don't... The, 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 you the, see, the door is open, nobody wants to fly out of it. Nobody wants to shut the door. You just want to keep flying around and around and around. And in the real world, you can't operate like
5: that. No, we are living in the real world. Are you? Yes, yes, we are. Because I've spent two and a half years as chair of the Brexit Select Committee talking to businesses, to universities, people trying to make stuff for a living. Brexit affects every area of our national life. We have a responsibility as parliamentarians to make sure that we get this right and to be honest with the British people about the real choices rather than the fantasies that were peddled. Now if in the end people decide they still want to leave, knowing what we know now, that is absolutely is their democratic right to do now. So.
2: Even now there are fantasies being peddled. One of the uh, scientific groups put out a statement yesterday saying, by the way, don't worry about the fact that the drugs are going to run out. They're not going to run out. But we still have people telling us that they are. We still have people telling us that the food's going to run out. we Still have people telling us that the planes aren't going to fly. And we still have people telling us you're not going to be able to go anywhere. It's all cobblers, isn't
5: it? The truth about that is we don't know for sure what might happen. But the moment the French customs officer, who this morning waves the lorries off the ferries from Dover, sticks up his or her hand and says "Arrête, yeah. stop," that's when the problem's on. Well, the they N-20 did it last begin. week on the Eurostar. Yeah, I know they, they do all the time. I know, but that is the point because life goes a, on in a No Deal Brexit. We have no idea how Europe would react, and the risks to our economy are real. Don't take my word for it. Listen to businesses that make and sell and well, we've export heard, to we've Europe heard the guy in for Calais. a living. Listen to well, them.
2: Yeah, we, well, we've listened to the guy who runs Calais Port, who said, don't worry, if there's a no-deal Brexit, everything's going to be fine. He said that. That was a fact, wasn't it?
5: Well, he may have said that. He did. But French customs officials and France has an obligation because we will become a third country if, heaven forbid, there was a no deal Brexit. They will have to apply the law. That means checking stuff in lorries. That is what will happen.
4: Mike, can I just echo that? My no, is because no, no, exactly.
2: He's going to kill me, right? Okay. Let's oh. go over here with the dark glasses. He oh. may look young, he may look uh, inefe- right. ineffectual, but in fact, he's a maniac. He, looks and he like wants Don to Johnson. break. Uh, um, Hillary's got to go. Hillary, thank you so much.
0: It's that time of the year.
4: That's stamps.com code program.
1: The Fallout, the Fury, the Future.
0: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham.
1: Live from Westminster. Order! On Talk Talk Radio.
2: Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, you know what to do, Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. We are sitting in glorious sunshine, basking in the glow uh, of what can only be described as complete and utter chaos down here uh, in Westminster. Katie Perrier is here with me, uh, bringing a touch of class to this show, uh, which it badly needs, I have to say. Now, here's the thing, Katie... Um, what on earth is going to happen on Friday? Because I can't get a straight answer out of anybody as to whether we've actually still got the legal right to have No Deal. I know that nobody wants No Deal in the Palace of Westminster. I know that Theresa May doesn't want No Deal. But technically speaking, we could still leave without a deal on
6: Friday, couldn't we? We could, but it's very, very unlikely. Yeah, I don't because, think it's going to happen. Um, the EU have given us an extension. And yeah. We need to try and find a way throughout that extension. So that date on Friday, which, by the way, in Westminster, half of Westminster is going out on the lash on Friday afternoon. Go. Do you know what? You know, whatever might happen, we're all going to go out and hit the bars and hit the clubs. Well, do you know, we like had that. a
2: plan that we were going to fly to Athens on Friday night. To uh, go leaving, anyway, Mike. leaving go at 30. Anyway. get into Athens at twelve thirty. By the time which we'd have left the European Union. But it's all we can do. Tell the bosses a talk.
6: It's absolutely a possibility. Yeah. Have a lovely weekend. Be nice. Nothing's isn't it? going on. Come back on Monday morning. You know, just do it again. Come
7: a well, later. well, bizarrely, so,
2: right? Bizarrely, because I can't get a straight answer out of anybody here. We've been looking over into Brussels to see what they've been doing, and they've been talking this morning, the European Commission, about a No Deal Brexit. They're yep. still taking it as red. Oh well, yeah. So that's what we're going to do
6: because they feel that Theresa May cannot get this deal through, and even if she threatens her Brexit colleagues with a customs union, which by the way is the most likely. Outcome from these indicative votes in Parliament all week. You yeah. know, they, they're going to get the choice. The Prime Minister is going to give them a choice. Some MPs, by the way, are furious with that because they're saying it'll be her choices rather than general choices. So even then, she's trying to skew the outcome. Hmm. They'll be given a choice. They're probably going to go for a customs union. And then the EU are going to say, well, that means we're going to have to renegotiate our political declaration. But it's something we want, so we're happy to do that. Or we just get a couple of weeks of extension and we find ourselves... On the edge of a no deal in a couple of weeks' time. I think it's April the 12th that we're looking at now is the next yes. no deal kind of scenario. But, I
2: mean, how many more of these ridiculous deadlines are we going to face? Because I think people are sick to the back teeth now of being told, right, this is definitely it. This is it. Uh, right, that's the red line. And then we cross it and nothing happens.
6: Yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I had to go to France for work and I thought, should I cancel? Because I really should be here because my businesses, the people that rely on me uh, will need need me to show some leadership during this kind of no deal scenario. Yeah. Glad I didn't cancel because actually... It was a couple of votes. You know, Theresa May didn't right. do very well. And then, you know, you're on to the exactly. next week. And it just seems to be never-ending. And the problem there is that, you, you know, what about the hospitals? What about the quality of education in our schools and the choices parents are facing? What about mental health treatment? All of these things we are not talking about, we're mm. not focusing on. And it really is going to the dogs. Mm. And so whatever happens now, whoever does take over from Theresa May, whether it's now in a couple of months' time or we have to wait until she's probably voted out by Parliament in December in another vote of no confidence, Parliamentary Colleagues, Um, You know, we are missing opportunities to improve some of our public services in in Britain, which we pay heavily for through our taxes, and that is the great shame of all this, really. It really is. We're going to look back and think, my God, we've lost years years of progress in some of these key areas because of this.
2: Yeah, but when you see uh, a million or however many people it actually was walking around London on Saturday, you know, the sort of the great uh, I would say the great washed, I suppose rather than the great unwashed, because they're all terribly middle middle class and white, wasn't it? I mean, you didn't see hardly any... uh, minorities, hardly anybody that young to be honest, and coach loads of people singing along to, you know, buy buy Brexit, possibly one of the most pathetic sites I've ever seen, I mean just horrendous right, but that's what they care about that's what a but large number of people in this country care about.
6: It's easy for us to kind of rip them apart and say, it marches is. don't do anything, it's a waste of time, you're all middle class, you've all got money, and you're all educated, and that's why you can come out and feel like you've got this kind of superior view over everybody else in the yeah. country who voted for Brexit, wanted change in their political system, wanted to be listened to. They are on salaries that haven't moved in five years, their lives aren't improving, and they've had enough. And they've, you know, they wanted to take back control of their country, and I understand that. It's easy to take the mickey, but at the same time, I just... I'm just grateful that people care enough to turn out on something that they really, really mm. give a toss about. Because at the moment, we have this massive hole where we don't have any political leadership and people just kind of you know, resign to the fact that things might get worse rather than get better. And that's not what people in Westminster get out of bed for in the mornings. We are there, we're meant to be getting out of bed to make things better for yes. people. And so the fact that a million people turn out because they really care... And just like those those kids that turned out on those student protests. Don't get me started on them. You know, good, good for them no. too, quite frankly. Oh, you think it's all right for them to go
2: marching through the streets
6: of London shouting,
2: uh, you know, ghastly epithets about Theresa May, which is what no, they are doing. I
6: don't necessarily think that's right. But I think that if you care enough about something, you should be listened to and you should be heard.
2: Yes, get your own radio show, that's what I would say. Uh, How about this from Nick Gutteridge, who's over in uh, Brussels for the Sun. Uh, Asked whether there'll be checkpoints at the Irish border, an EU official says this, controls have to be done where they belong, but doesn't mean we'd want to see visible infrastructure. We're working very closely with the Irish authorities to try and perform controls away from the border, if at all possible. Now, that sounds to me like they are making an effort, the EU, to come up with some kind of idea of a border without a border, if you know what I mean, so the backstop wouldn't then be necessary.
6: Well, what will amaze me is if we get right to the edge of a no-deal Brexit and then the EU suddenly cave or the Brexiteers suddenly cave or, you know, something else happens, you think to yourself, well, why couldn't you have done this six months ago? Why have you put us through so much pain during this time just to get your own way if, you, if it wasn't that problematic? Yeah. If you felt you could find a way forward, now is the time to find that way forward. Do not make us go right to the wire because yeah. business is incredibly worried about what that might I was going to ask like.
2: you, because you work with a lot of businesses now as well. I mean, what are they saying? Because, again, we can't really trust our policies politicians to tell us the truth because depending on what side of the, of the line they're on they will say all oh, business is very worried or business is not very worried you know the Andrew Bridgens of this world yep. will say you know businesses in my constituency are fine they just want us to get on with it they're not worried about being uh, out of the European Union they're not worried about a no-deal Brexit they just want something to happen other people like Hillary Benn will tell you oh well businesses are terribly worried they can't do any business
6: well let me tell you Andrew Bridgens is right and he's wrong because he's right in saying that it's the instability that kills them yeah. the most. They would rather just know what's going to happen mm. and then they can prepare for it. The fact that they have spent money money preparing for all kinds of outcomes means that money's thin on the ground and resources are thin on the ground and they just want to know what kind of deal they're going to get. Yeah. So by rolling it on, delaying and delaying, that really is the worst case scenario for business. Some businesses don't care because whether they get no deal. So businesses maybe Andrew Bridges talking to will say, well, I don't really deal with Europe and I don't have a supply chain problem. Therefore, it doesn't bother me one mm. bit. So I can stand here as a business leader and say, doesn't really bother me, you know, won't affect me. And there's others who are lobbying the government, the uh, Secretary of State for Business uh, and his team there, on a daily basis to say, we have to move significant members of staff, we need to move a high, high amount of money, we are stockpiling goods such as, you know, pharmaceuticals and other things, and these things are genuinely happening. But they are so afraid to say that publicly because they get slapped down by everybody else, that they just go about their daily business and they lobby the government. So if you speak to anybody within... The business team inside government, the business department, they will tell you it's relentless. We have 12 meetings a day of people telling us we are killing their business. Can you imagine what that feels like if you're a Conservative... Politician, well, you would think it's it your job you feel, to invest in business oh, and on. help them succeed. Well,
2: surely it should make them think we better get something sorted out here the sooner rather than later. Because the better uh, the better we sort this out, and the sooner we sort it out, the less I'm going to get these people moaning at me. But I can also tell you uh, from two different perspectives internationally. I was in America recently. Nobody's talking about Brexit nope. there. Nobody gives a monkeys. Okay, my daughter's just come back from the Middle East where she's working in the sort of business sector of, of, of broadcasting. Nobody there talks nope. about Brexit. They're not interested. Same in China. You know. We are obsessed with it in this country, and it is starting to become a real distraction and something which is going to damage the long term future of this country unless people get it out of their heads that this is the most important thing in the world. Because it is not the most important thing. I
6: agree. And what I worry about is the cultural kind of message that we're sending to the rest of the world that you know when Theresa May talks about immigration I don't think she talks about it in the same way that people that voted leave talk about immigration no. I don't think those people that voted leave wanted to stop scientists from coming here wanted to just stop really really well high paid students coming here i.e. they're paying twice as much yeah. as our kids I want them subsidising our universities sure. I want the greatest and the, and the good coming here and I want them to set up businesses afterwards funky little tech businesses which employ my kids yeah. that's what I want and, and what, we've, what we're doing as a nation they're going elsewhere so, the universities are telling me they are down in student numbers because they're going somewhere else in the world because they want to feel welcome. Yeah. And we are, we are but also, betraying People the the here wrong message. are in
2: very big danger of becoming boring. You know, like going to a dinner party and boring the backside of everybody by going on and on and on about one thing
6: that nobody else really cares about. I know people arrive, people go, Well, you work in Westminster, you know, I must know what's going on. And I say, can we just talk about yeah. something else? Just yeah. anything else because it almost sends you mad. It does. It's starting to make people go slightly yeah. mad. It,
2: it really is. And it's
6: very unhealthy. And we, So that's why I think it's very important to talk about hospitals and schools and things yeah. that actually matter to exactly. people. Exactly.
2: You're absolutely right. Katie... Making perfect sense as always, Katie Perry. She'll be back again later on in the week, I'm sure, uh, because the Tent of Shame is going to be up and running for quite some time until somebody does something properly decent in this country. Coming up next, we're going to take you calls. Uh, we're going to go over to Northern Ireland and catch up with Maureen. Uh, this is Talk Radio. Dead
6: end street, yeah! Dead end street, yeah!
2: Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. We're live in Westminster. It looks like we're going to be live in Westminster all week, right down uh, to the Friday that we are supposed to leave the European Union. But, of course, everybody's telling us that's not very really likely to happen. Technically speaking, I think we still have, uh, by law, the right to do so. But is anybody going to lead us out of this place? I don't think so. Oh three four Let's hit the phones. Let's talk to Maureen, who's in Northern Ireland. Hi, Maureen. Hello. Hello. What would you like I'm, to tell us?
0: I'm... I'm getting very tired of listening to the Remainers and what they're saying. Uh, They keep on talking about crashing out. We're not crashing out. Mm. We are withdrawing from Europe. We had a vote, by the people made a vote. And we are not being kicked out of Europe. We voted to leave. So we're withdrawing from Europe. Yes. And I'm tired of them saying we're crashing out. We've had a discussion with Europe. We haven't agreed. Therefore, we're withdrawing from Europe. I'm I couldn't agree with you more.
2: Yeah, they do keep saying this and they also keep talking about hard Brexiteers and they talk yes. about a people's vote and all of the language that they well, use that really is, is actually
0: wrong. Well, this, the part about the people's vote, we had a people's vote, it was called uh, a referendum. Yes. And we voted to come out. Now, yes. if you want another referendum, they can't call that a people's vote because we've had that. Mm. They can call it a loser's vote. Yes. But, but not it shouldn't ever to... happen, though.
2: I don't want that to happen, Maureen.
0: No, I, I agree. I don't see why. We've had a vote. We were told, we got a, a, a leaflet through the do- door, everybody got it, to say there was once in a lifetime. Right. And if, you know, you know that's the, the decision made. We have and they one... also they also
2: keep saying, Maureen, that you didn't know what you were voting for, and I don't believe that.
0: No. Well, then if I didn't know, why would somebody else who remain, why would they know? Yeah. As well as that, too. 40 years ago, they made a decision to go into Europe. I didn't have anything to do with that, but I was told we're going into Europe. We had one vote, we went into Europe. And now, after 40 years, we've decided we don't want to. We had another vote, and we come out. Right. So maybe in another 40 years, we might want to go back again. Yes. So that's the decision made. It's not difficult, is it? Sorry?
2: It's not difficult, this, is it?
0: No, it's not.
2: I mean, it's pretty straightforward. The way you've explained it, it's very straightforward, and yeah. we just leave. I don't understand what the problem is.
0: Yeah, and it's, I really object to them saying, oh, it's all old people who are voting to come out of Europe. Well, no, that's I've, wrong. I've got three young ones, and they all voted. And maybe it's because they actually got out of their beds and went and voted.
2: Well, lo- judging by the people on that, judging by the people on that march uh, here on Saturday in London, the average age was about sixty-eight. Yes. You know what I mean. Yes. Listen, let me ask you one quick question, Maureen. Yes? How concerned are you about the border question in Ireland?
0: Um, I'm not concerned. I think Leo Varadkar and Down South are concerned because you know they mightn't get you know uh, sending stuff to us. Hmm. Um, as well as that too. Uh, I don't, you know. I just think the ones down south are very concerned.
2: Yes, They've got they got a shock. Yeah, well, because I think they're I the ones that they're, they're they're the ones that are going to suffer the most by us leaving the European Union, not Northern Ireland. Yes. But listen, Maureen, a great call. Thank you very much indeed. Let's talk to Harry, uh, who's in Portsmouth, and wants to talk about that obscure checkers meeting.
7: Harry, very good morning oh, to you. Oh, hello there. Good, uh, yeah. We're just on. Good morning. Um, that varadka bloke. We lent the uh, the Irish state. $7 billion about 10 years ago yeah. uh, at preferential interest rates. Mm. No thanks from them, is there? Not really, no. Have they given it back
2: yeah.
7: yet? That, I, I think it'll be come back in dribs and drabs. I've never heard a politician mention any repayments since.
2: No, I'll have to try and find out what happened about that.
7: Yeah, that um, that checkers thing, it's like one of these murder mystery weekends <laughs> that you can go on where <laughs> you, you're sort of tucking into your souffle your souffle gets curdled as you, you hear a blood-curdling scream. <laughs> or or the plum duff gets dumped on the table with a thud and there's a thud upstairs where That's something's right. collapsed.
2: Professor Plum with the candlestick.
7: That's right. I mean, Leslie Phillips could have could have done the open-top sports car and his, his toupee <laughs> would have blown off. As, as he arrived as IDS. Absolutely and right. Is, you, couldn't, you, couldn't make
2: this, you could not make this stuff up, could you?
7: No. Um, I was going to refer back to your conversation you had with Alistair Campbell, the man behind the People's March. Was he there with Blair at the weekend? I don't know um, whether he was. he was.
2: He was. on the. I saw him pictured with Nicola Sturgeon on the People's March. which I found rather oh, yeah, ironic.
7: Yeah, yeah they, there was a bit of a stage. I only saw a two-second clip because I only watch TV. I don't do any of the other stuff.
2: No, uh, not quite. Um, well, you didn't yeah, miss much, I can tell you. N-
7: no, it's just a repeat of that last one. Um, I, I was refer, referring back to that conversation you had with Alistair Campbell last week. Yes. Yeah, I on. saw Alistair Campbell on a train. Did you? Yeah. Uh, Where was he going? Of course. Well, the thing is, it's the way you tell the story, isn't it? Because what happened was, I was going up to Bram a year ago, uh-huh. and there was a Southampton football supporter, and he, 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 in the conversation we had on the way up, he said um, he'd met this chap on the train. He'd seen a, a bit of a commotion, a couple of fans around some guy.
0: Oh, yeah
7: up near Preston, and uh, it turned out to be Alistair Campbell. And he took a photograph, so I said to him, can I take a photograph of your phone then? So, yes, I've seen Alistair Campbell on the train, but right. he was on a phone. Yes,
2: I see what you're saying. I see what you did there. Very good. Very clever. I like it. Thank you very much indeed. Harry in Portsmouth, uh, who saw a picture of Alistair Campbell on a train, uh, and then told me about it. So, technically, I've heard about a picture of Alistair Campbell on a train. Let's talk to Peter in Kent. Hello, Peter.
1: Hello, mate. How are you?
2: Very well, sir. What do you want to say?
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I just think there's a certain amount... Of, well, everyone's going to say this, but there's a lot of hypocrisy around the the sort of Remain side. Yes. They want to remain in Europe. We absolutely must not leave. Now, look, earlier on, when Hilary Benn was on and that other MP was on, you know, yeah. they both said, you know, one was a Remainer, now a Lever, one was a, a staunch Remainer. So they were—they wanted to represent all the people. So those two guys were MPs. They sit in Parliament. Yeah. They probably had some votes cast for them and some votes cast against them. Didn't mm. stop them taking their seats. So they're quite no, exactly. happy to represent the majority when it suits them. Yeah. But but not happy to represent the, the majority if it's not going the way they want, right?
0: No, exactly. And funnily
2: enough, there's a a load of uh, posters down here, you know, where all the protesters are, and one of the pro-Remain posters says, nobody voted to make themselves poorer. Well, how many elections have you voted in where the government has come in and made you poorer by putting taxes up?
1: Oh, don't... Oh, Mike, don't start. Um, I'm I'm sitting there like this. So, they want... They must... We must not leave Europe. This is their ethic. We must not leave Europe. Why are they so strongly... Must not leave Europe, Mike. I don't know.
2: I honestly don't know.
1: I've got a theory. Go on. My theory is this because we're not really European, brother, are we? We're half European. We're How's not it in the Euro, we're not in Schengen. Right. right. If we go out, right, then we have to go back in. To be a new joiner country, you have to be in the Euro, yep. and you have to be in Schengen. Right. Right. So. The reason why all the Remainers want to remain is so they don't become fully European. Right. Because they seem to think they're the cats that have got the cream. They don't realise that we're halfway or quarter way independent, and they haven't got the nuts to go all the way out fully independent and stand on our own two feet.
2: Right. Well, that's an interesting theory. If that was true, though, wouldn't they want to be more European, as, as you put it? We'll have to come back to that one because we're running out of time. But, Peter, thank you very much indeed. It's an interesting theory. If I was uh, coming up with a conspiracy theory, though, I would rather say maybe what they would want to do then is leave the European Union as they are in it and then join it again later and uh, become more firmly part of it with the Euro and with Schengen. But I don't know. What do I know? Certainly know a lot more than some of the MPs down here who don't seem to know uh, one end of their uh, elbow from one end of their body somewhere else, but I don't want to get into that.
0: Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
2: If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app.